return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Bible, say it with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Okay, so we're going to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and in those verses, in those verses, uh, it says, in the last days perilous times will come. So, so, uh, now again, those began, the last days began at the day of Pentecost. So, trouble will come. Jesus actually said, in the world you're going to have trouble, okay? This shouldn't shock people. The world is a fallen place, and, and the world is where the devil's active and so forth. But then it says, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Let's just stop there a second. Now, all these things we see in our society, of course, right? You can see this any place in our society. You can see it in homes, but you can see it in schools. You can see it in businesses. Authority is eroded, so nobody... Uh, no one respects law enforcement, or they don't respect teachers, or they don't respect people. It's very sad how that erosion has happened of authority. But also, also, it's all about them. In Second Corinthians, it says, when we get saved, He delivers us from, delivers me from me. Amen. Amen. So you should henceforth not live for yourself. It isn't about you. It's about Jesus, and it's about other people. The only way you understand that, of course, is when you become a Christian. But Christians especially should understand this. Not lovers of money. Money isn't bad. You just don't want to love it. It's a poor God, right? Boasters, proud, arrogant people, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Unthankful is one of the hallmarks of the last days. And you can see people today. I I think it's important in your home, as a husband and wife, you should say thank you to each other. You should say please, thank you, all those things in your home. You should teach your children to say thank you. Right? If you gave them something and, and, and uh, you know, they might just take it and say, what do you say? You're teaching them to say, thank you. You're teaching them to show appreciation. Folks, they don't learn at home. Schools aren't teaching this, of course. The government doesn't teach this. The world doesn't teach this. But you should teach this in your home. Now, this isn't a new thing. This has been going on for a long time. Many years ago, back decades ago, we were helped through social services, Jeannie and I. And I went into the, the state office to thank them for their help for us. They gave us gas money to go to Kansas City and Angeles treatments and stuff. And I went in there to thank them. I said, thank you so much. And I said, these ladies were looking at me and I said, you must hear this a lot. 
This is this is a long time ago. This is back in the mid '80s, and they shook their head, no. And I, I was like dumbfounded. I said, "What? You don't you don't hear this? You know, people are coming in here, coming for food stamps and all these other assistance." And they said, "Oh no, we never hear this. People come in and they cuss at us and complain." And I'm thinking, now that's a sad deal, isn't it? Yeah. People are given something that that they it's not like they earned it or anything like that. They're given something, and yet they they like you owe it to me. Oh, no, the world doesn't owe us anything, amen? So, so to say thank you is very important. Just my, my witness for their, their te- that whole office was affected by that witness of thanksgiving. Go to the next verses here, three through five it is. Unloving, unforgiving, of course, and we see this. People are not loving or caring. They're not harboring, they're harbor offenses, unforgiving, slanderers, you know how that is, against other people. Without self-control, you see that all the time without adding drugs and booze and all that to it. Glad we don't have more marijuana in our state. So without self-control, brutal, terrible. In a lot of this, you know, people don't stop to realize these are all seeds. So the worst that movies become, plant seeds, and that's how our society becomes. becomes more brutal, more uh, terrible. Despisers of good, traitors, heady or headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, Rather than lovers of God. Well, we see that, don't we? A lot of people on a Sunday morning, they're not going to go and serve the Lord. They'd want to do things, their things. Lovers of pleasures, do other stuff. Having a form of godliness. Now, godliness, remember, communism is a religion. When Jeannie was in a school in 1974 in Russia, and they taught the children, they actually heard this. They said, remember, children, there is no God. Lenin is our God. So they taught the children in a godless society that there was no God, but they, their God, their religion, was communism. Lee and C.Y. Wong grew up in China and so forth. So when they came to the United States, they were atheists. They didn't believe there was a God until someone witnessed to them, until they saw Christ in people and later got saved. So, so all the world actually is very religious. The world is very religious in certain things, depending what their religion is. Could be humanism, but but they're very religious, you know, but they don't necessarily want Christianity, right? So and it says, knowing they deny the real power of God, it says, from such people turn away. And so knowing that these things are in our world, then we're like we're the people that should stand out as the grateful people, the humble people appreciating others, and so we should stand out as different in how we act, how we act. You get a paycheck in your job, you say, thank you. A lot of people say, oh, I deserve that, I earned it. Well, it's kind of nice to say to the business owner or somebody, say, thank you. You get a Christmas gift, say, thank you. Amen. Something else happens, say, thank you. Most, most of the responses, if you have com- computer things and people want feedback, most of the time feedback comes because it's negative. I'm angry, I'm going to tell them what I think. Very seldom does someone say, boy, the service was really good, I want to tell them about it. Very seldom do you have that. And yet it should be that way, right? Now, especially I'm talking to Christians. The world is the world, so the world acts this way. But we as Christians who are marching to the beat of a different heartbeat of Jesus Christ act differently. You don't want the world to influence you so that you're just responding like everybody else responds. You want to respond with a thankful heart to God and appreciation toward other people. 
Now, people join us from all over the world on Facebook Live. We welcome you from different countries and so forth. And uh, for those in Nigeria, we're praying for you in Nigeria and the adversity that you face. So we are standing with you in Jesus' name. And the same in India and other countries, we're standing with you in the name of Jesus. But all these scriptures affect your countries as well. The same way different things are happening in your countries. It's the same gospel, the same Jesus that wants to shine through us to the world around us. Amen. Amen. So let's go to Luke 17 a second. Someone said they should put a bumper sticker, should find a a bumper sticker and put it on cars and says, buying global whining. (laughs) You know, because everybody's whining, complaining about something. We as Christians, obviously, we're not always treated right and we can have issues, but we don't want to be of that company that's doing those things. Luke 17, so Jesus comes to a village, meets ten lepers, you know the story. They lift up their voice, said, Jesus, have mercy on us, all right? We go to the next verses, 14 and 15. So when he saw them, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Jesus extended healing to these ten lepers. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed, they were healed. It's amazing, folks. Oh, well, it's a big deal. You know, we've seen lepers, personally. We prayed for lepers with their skin eaten and the sores and scars and pus and different things like that. It's, it's not pleasant. It's still in the world today. And as they went, they were cleansed. In other, words, in other words, all of a sudden, these sores and all these things disappeared. And they got new skin. And they're looking at themselves like, oh my, look at, look at, look at me, look at me. You know, and so Jesus said, and that's what you did then. You showed yourself to the priest that now you were accepted back into society. And so one of them, notice it's one. Now there were ten, but one saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. So, so one recognized his blessing and recognized where his blessing came from. Now all ten wanted healing, but one wanted the healer. People love blessings, but not everybody wants the blesser. The healer is Jesus. The blesser is Jesus, right? And so you want to extend uh, your honor and praise to the one who deserves it. We love praying for people at the church. And and, uh, uh, someone else recently just contacted us that uh, someone's coming who has cancer. And they want to have prayer here at the church. And and, and, uh, it's a blessing, you know, that... These business people, we could tell them, that, well, they, you don't have to join our church. You can come and we'll pray for you. Amen. But there's always our hopes that people will follow Jesus, yeah. right? Because you could be healed, hallelujah, but if you're not healed in your heart, you're still lost and going to hell. That, that, so just physical healing, wonderful, but not good enough. So the leper turns around in verse 16 through 19. He turns around, he falls at the feet of Jesus and he gives Jesus thanks. I just love this, you know. He's, he's thanking the healer. He's thanking the one who blessed him. And he was a Samaritan. So now he wasn't even in the Jewish, uh, really in the Jewish crowd there. He's a Samaritan, a separate group and so forth. Incidentally, so when you're lepers, all of a sudden everybody bonds together. You know, your differences subside because now your commonality is leprosy. So you're all in this together. But now he comes back and he's a Samaritan. And Jesus said, hey, weren't the ten cleansed? And I'm sure the guy said, uh-huh, they were all cleansed. We all were. It was amazing. And Jesus says, well, where are the nine? And were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this stranger? 
And Jesus said, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Another version says, Your faith has made you whole. And that's spiritual wholeness. That's our goal, amen? Is to see people spiritually whole. But I believe the wholeness came as he came and he thanked Jesus. So, and again, I say Jesus because we're not just, the world has a lot of gods. So I don't, I don't want to say he thanked God. I want to say he thanked Jesus. Let's be specific who we're talking about, all right? Because there are many, 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 many gods. Amen. And God, to say God is very acceptable. To say Jesus kind of cuts through the darkness and says something else. So he says, thank you, Jesus. And this guy gets up. And he's made whole, you know, like, wow, I met the Savior, you know. So now it just isn't, <clears throat> it just isn't healing. He's whole on the inside, like, wow, I'm a new, I'm a new man, I'm a new person. In John 6, Jesus is feeding the 5,000. Now, why did people follow Jesus? Uh, they, they followed him because of the sign. They saw his signs. And I think it's also, it's, it's great, uh, we should point out something. They saw something. They weren't just saying, oh, people are healed and people are touched and so forth. No, they saw something. You know, I've, I've seen, I've been around people. It's like, everybody in the meeting's healed, you know. And people are walking out, you know, and so forth. Well, by faith they are. But I like the fact that people saw it. In other words, there was a manifestation of healing. Again, that's a goal, right? We pray, we pray through the year, we'll pray, you know, for a lot, a lot of people. But the goal is that there's a manifestation. They saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. So they, they came, they followed Jesus. And that's why there were thousands of people, the 4,000, the 5,000, besides women and children. That's why there was such a big group of people, because it was a healing meeting. It was a, it was a gathering where people were around Jesus for days. And he was just touching and healing and so forth. And they weren't even thinking about food, the natural food. They were so excited about the spiritual food that the natural food became secondary. They were so excited about rejoicing in all that happened that, that, you know, they're not thinking about natural food. And so in each case, of course, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to send them away now. We've, we've helped them and so forth, but I want to also bless them and so forth. So in verse 5 and 6, Jesus lifts his eyes. He sees the multitude. So the multitude, there's thousands, which you just have to put yourself in this. Put yourself... At a big event, whatever big event you go to where there's thousands of people, and think of those thousands of people without natural, they're not naturally organized, they're not all these lines, and they're not sitting down in stands, but they're just a crowd of people. And he sees this crowd of people, thousands and thousands of people, and he says to Philip, he says, where are we going to buy the bread that these may eat? And so Jesus, I think, I think will test us sometimes in our faith. Now, testing isn't bad when he's testing us to believe the word. Amen? That's not bad. He says, can you trust me, Dave? Can you believe me? It's like, I trust you. Like when we stepped out in faith for the ministry, man, uh, Jeannie was way in front of me, you know, and I was, I was trying to get out there, and, you know, like I'm walking on thin ice. And, and trusting God. And God would just say again and again through Scripture, trust me, trust me. And I'm thinking, I'm trying. And you know, but you get on ice, you ever hear ice crack? Like, like yeah. I'm going down, you know. And uh, I remember one time on the river, many years ago in Iowa, we were on, the, on a river, and uh, we were spearing carp. And uh, I was in younger, you know, freshman in high school or something like that. And I walked through this area, should have paid attention. There was a higher bank, so it was the current was more running and all of a sudden, boom, just like that. I mean, without 
It wasn't even like a forewarning, like, creak, creak, something's happening. No, it was just crack. I just went right through the ice. And uh, so, I mean, very cold. And uh, I had a friend with me, you know, and, and uh, had my thing on the ice and so forth, got out, and then had to walk home. By the time I got home, my, my clothes were froze, I was froze, my body was purple, you know, and uh, cold water felt like hot water. So, so he tests us, though. Jesus said this to him to test him. Now, Jesus knew what he wanted to do. But I believe the Lord is trying to bring us out all the time farther. Just get out farther. You know, at the end of the branch is where there's a lot of fruit. But at the end of the branch can seem weak and flimsy. And you have to stretch, usually, to get to it. And he wants to stretch us to do more for his glory. He wants to stretch us to be more thankful people. <laughs> he wants to stretch us to to uh, uh, get, bring more out of us. So the disciples find the boy. The disciples find the boy in verse 9. So here's a boy. And I picture, why did he have five barley loaves and two fish? I don't know. But I assume he's going, coming back from the store and he's bringing back food for his family or whatever, for their big meal, so forth. So here's a boy. We don't know the age of the boy. Uh, uh, you know, this is a lad. So we assume a younger person. And he's got these groceries. And he comes across the rally. You know, maybe he's on the edge of the rally. And he comes across the rally, you know. And then you've got people, people like Peter and, and, and Andrew. And say, hey, hey, he's got some food. He's like probably like grabbing, hold on, white knuckles. Yeah, I got some food. Like, is he going to give his food to a bunch of unbelieving disciples? Well, no. Would you want to give your food to a bunch of unbelieving disciples? No. You know, so he's hanging, he's got his food. Now, he had food. He's hanging on to his food. But then it comes, it comes down to verse 11. And verse 11 says that, that Jesus took the loaf. So the boy gives the food to Jesus. I think it's like this. Even, even you know, Jesus, they, they say, hey, this kid's got food. He's still got his food. And I think Jesus could look at him and say, can you trust me? Can you trust me with your food? And the boy realizing, like, yeah, I can trust you. And he gives the food over to Jesus. And he puts it in Jesus' hands. All right? And says, I'm going to trust you. And, and so Jesus, of course, now the key, the key to the miracle is the acknowledgement. Jesus is giving thanks to the Father. So in every situation we're in, and we can be in some real pickles, but the, the key is giving thanks you know, you might think this is a mess, this is terrible, all that. So what? Give thanks, give praise, put your trust in Jesus. Take what you've got and put it in Jesus' hands. Now, this little boy is standing there. I think the boy's right with Jesus, you know. I would guess, now remember, the disciples weren't believers. <laughs> they weren't believing this. But the boy gives his stuff and Jesus says, watch this. Watch this. You know, he gives thanks. And so then he distributes to the disciples. And so the disciples, he takes some and he puts it in a basket and a basket and a basket. And then they, the multiplication begins to happen. Now, this took a long time, probably hours, hours to get them sat down, hours for them to eat. And I love the fact that they sat down, they ate as much as they wanted. It's like a buffet. It's not, it's not like, hey, we'll give you a little bit. This will get you through. This will get you home. No, no, I think that I think they ate. They were full. Extras? Anybody else want extras? Stuff? No, no more for me. I've had enough. Not enough. No, no. You know, and so they had as much as they wanted. 
They were filled. They were filled up. Now, this all happened again as Jesus gave thanks. Thanks in a situation that looked like a place of lack, looked like there was no answer, looked like nothing was going to happen. Giving thanks, putting it into the hands of the Lord. Take what you have, put it in the hands of the Lord. You can trust Him. But folks, you have to keep stretching out to trust Him more, right? All the time in your life. So then Jesus says to the disciples, I want you to gather up the fragments that remain. So now I think the whole time the boy ate also. Took a long time. The boy's, he's late for getting home. Took a long time and so forth. But Jesus said, hey, just a minute. Don't leave yet. Let's gather it up. And he gathers up the 12 baskets with the fragments and five barley loaves which were left over by those that had eaten. Now, who got this? I think the boy got it. Because it's the boy that gave the offering. It's the boy that gave the gift. He gives, he gives a few loaves, a, few, a couple fish and so forth. Now the kid's walking home and says, hey, and can you guys help him bring this home? He lives over in that neighborhood. It's about another two kilometers away or so. Can you help him bring this home? Yeah, yeah. This little guys, this boy's coming home. He's got 12 baskets, a little parade here on their head. And probably fed the neighborhood. Because he said, I can see what Jesus can do. Oh, this feed all of you too. It's because of Jesus. See, this isn't like 12 baskets. Oh, we'll give this to the disciples. No, they didn't do anything other than follow Jesus' orders. But it was the boy who gave the offering to Jesus. It was the boy that saw the miracle of the multiplication, giving thanksgiving unto the Lord. He had a huge return in his gift. Well, you can't outgive God. I just want to say that. You can't outgive God. You can't, if, if you want a little, if you want a little return, we'll give a little. If you want a bigger return, give more. This boy gave all that he had. The woman who was throwing in the two mites gave all that she had. Do you suppose she was taken care of? I'm sure she was. I'm sure she was. It wasn't like she just, there was an example. Look, she gave all that she had. Poor soul, she doesn't have anything now. No, I, I think she got royally blessed because of her giving. This boy got royally blessed walking home. He said, five loaves, two fishes. Now he's walking back with 12 baskets full Barley loaves, fish, so forth like that to share with others. Thanksgiving's huge, folks. Amen? Yeah. So let's, this is what I want to get to. Acts 16. So Acts 16 is Paul and Silas in jail. Many times people think you have to have everything right for God to move. You know, people got to be in unity. We got to be in agreement. The music's got to flow just right and so forth for God to move. The time when Lowell was with me in India, our first trip, and we were out in the country. You know, there was wild animals and all kinds of things. People walked in groups because of tigers, and water buffalo was coming by our prayer line, and all kinds of things. And in the midst, middle of that, you know, God was supernatural miracles, amazing. Big tumor that I told you about that disappeared off this guy's side. I mean, I, it was like putting my hand on the cantaloupe. On his side. It was, it was amazing. And when I spoke the name of Jesus, it shrunk. Amen. And I'm praying that in the name of Jesus, it shrunk some more. So it just like deflated. As I kept saying the name of Jesus, and pretty soon it was all gone. You could just rub his side, the ribs. And this guy was an older man. They carried him to the front. He had tears in his eyes because of the pain. And now his eyes were wide as ever. And, and no pain and all that. And in the midst of that... They have a keyboard. The keyboard is, you know, you know how you buy a keyboard and it's programmed. And so the, it's programmed with songs. 
might be wedding marches, or it might be old Lang Syne, someone's playing at New Year's Eve, or it could be a birthday song, anything. And so I'm praying, and then I'm, and I'm, as I'm praying, I hear these songs. Now, none of them were Christian. Someone's just over there, and it was hooked up to a battery of the vehicle. And then a song would end, and they'd hit another one. Hit up another one. Hit another one. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Hit another one. And I started laughing because, because in the midst of God touching people were all these songs. And see, say people think that we've got to have it just right. We've got to do it just right for God to move. And that is wrong. That's a lie of the devil. Because listen, none of us are perfect. All of us are walking under grace and mercy. None of us are. If it came down to us having it just right for God to move, well, then he's never going to move. <laughs> never going to move. Never going to happen. So it's all about Jesus. So the disciples are in the jail. They're in the jail. Now, keep in mind, they had their clothes torn off them. They'd been whipped. They'd been beaten. They're in the, the inner part of the prison, all right? And so they're in stocks. And so nothing is easy about this. It's cold. They're, they're in chains and so forth like that. And it says then at midnight, they started praying and singing hymns. Now, I don't know about you, but... If You know, jails have prisoners, and prisoners are there because they broke the law or assume they broke the law, and a lot of them are hardcore people, and, and you don't want to mess with them, right? So as they're starting singing, you can imagine, you can imagine, you have to think about this, that pretty soon you got people cussing, hey, knock it off! Add four or five swear words. You, when I get out of here, I'm going to break your neck! Four or five swear words. If you don't shut up, you're going to get four or five swear words. And they keep praising God, you know. And now you got to think, this is the atmosphere. Nothing perfect about it. But I say that because you have power. And so in any situation you're in, you might think, oh boy, this is so difficult. I'm standing, either standing alone or maybe it's you and your husband or you and somebody else. But you have power when you begin to lift your voice and give praise to the Lord, give thanksgiving to God. Now, these guys, these guys are in the jail and they change the atmosphere by just giving praise. I say thanksgiving because that's how you enter his presence. Praise and thanksgiving unto God. And we sang today, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus, you know. They're singing, singing the Lord. They're honoring the Lord. They're worshiping the Lord, you see. And, and the thing, listen, listen, it's this. The prisoners were listening. I, I would assume, let's put a gap in here when they were complaining and shouting and finally they started to listen. Okay, so the prisoners are listening to what they're singing. They're listening to what they're saying. Amen? You know, you can picture Paul and them come, break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, you know. There's power in the, you know, they're, they're singing about Jesus. Maybe these songs came way back then, who knows. There's power in the name of Jesus, you know. Maybe they came to the part, I hear those chains falling. So in the midst of this, how long did this take? Quite a while. Quite a while. That's why I say, like, we can pray... You know, a lot of prayer meetings are people come and they, they talk for most of the time and then pray a little of the time. Better to pray most of the time. Why? Because God already knows everything. 
I don't have to inform him of my situation. I don't have to inform him of my needs. He knows that. He knows how many hairs are in my head. So I'm coming to thank him for the answer. So here they are in prison. God already knew they were there. Now everybody in that prison would want to, you know, kill the jailer. When we get out of here, we're going to kill that jailer. You know, we're going to kill those rulers. And all go, yeah, yeah, now you're singing our song, you know. Well, nothing like that. They're singing praise to the Lord. And the prisoners are listening to what they're saying. And their praise changed the atmosphere. It wasn't the music that changed the atmosphere. It wasn't the perfect situation that changed the atmosphere. No, it was just their heart, their praise to the Lord that changed that atmosphere. Now, what was the result then of that thanksgiving and praise? Well, the result was, there's an earthquake. Now, see, we read this and say, oh boy, the praise they got an earthquake. Are you willing to pray until whenever? They're not thinking like, let's see, what was that, chapter 8 that says we do this, this, and this, there'll be an earthquake. There are many people today, and, and we keep informed of persecution around the world, that are dying, that are dying singing unto the Lord. And they're singing too. But there was no earthquake. They're singing too, but there was no, they didn't see a physical answer. Maybe they lost their head. You know, very sad deal. But this is a lifestyle. What does it do? It brings the presence of the Lord. It brings Jesus into your midst. And all those prisoners felt that. So from a process of time where they went as probably skeptics and ridiculing and mocking to listening, and then all of a sudden their own hearts being touched because of talking about Jesus, singing about Jesus and thanksgiving. And they realized these guys have been beaten and so forth. And here they are thanking God. It's a big deal. Big deal. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. Earthquake happens. The prison, the foundation of the prison is shaken. Immediately, and this happened quickly, all the doors are opened. And everyone's chains were loosed. Now, there was a result of Thanksgiving, it says open doors. Now, one is physical doors, which is the jail doors. But the other is spiritual doors, which is their hearts. Those doors, one by one, however, open like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I need what, you, I need what they, they're talking about. I need you, Jesus, Jesus. All through that jail, one at a time, boop, 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 all through. We don't know how big the jail was, but we know there was doors, plural. We knew they were in the inner part of the prison. The doors are open. And so consequently, when the jailer came in, verse 27 and following, when the jailer comes in, he sees the prison doors open, and he assumes, well, everybody's gone. He's looking, I saw down a hallway, all these doors are open. They're, they're gone. So he's going to kill himself because that would be his punishment. He lost the prisoners. So he would give his life for losing those prisoners. And Paul says, knows with a loud voice, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. First of all, how did Paul know they were all here? I would guess now in the prison there's interaction. Maybe they're starting to sing with them. Maybe they're starting, maybe there's other things like, what changed your life, Paul? I want to forgive too. And he says, you can forgive. Amen. You can forgive. You can receive forgiveness. Amen. 
I would guess that there's a whole meeting going on in a jail, the most unlikely church place. There's a whole meeting going on in this jail so that then the jailer seeing this, you know, and Paul said, hey, hey, we're all here. We're all here because why? The physical doors were open, but their hearts were open. Oh, it's amazing. Wow. So the jailer runs in. He falls down, trembles before Paul and Silas. And he says, what, what, what must I do to be saved? Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. So Paul's writing this. Notice it says, in everything. Paul did this in the jail. In everything give thanks. This is the will of God for Christ Jesus for you. In everything. So we're not thanking God for what he doesn't, for what he, you know, things he doesn't do. You know, we're not thanking God for cancer and poverty and divorce and all that kind of stuff. But we do thank God that he's the answer in every situation. So I've been in unpleasant situations. So I've had a cancer diagnosis and we've faced health issues and all kinds of things. However, we can thank God in those situations that he's the answer. I'm sure, I'm sure Paul and Silas think, my welts are bigger than yours and I've, I've bled as much as you did. And they're not doing that. They're not comparing their scars like that. But they're thanking God that he is still their answer. And that's the whole thing, even the world where people... The martyrs today, they're, they're thanking God in, in the situation that he's still the answer. Amen. Heaven is our home. Amen. We're just passing through there. It's a revelation of that. So notice it says, in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's the will of God. <laughs> so in other words, you don't have to pray about this now. You just do it. So when you talk about the scripture here today, the, the, the assignment here is to do this, to apply this in our lives, in spite of how things are going. Maybe things aren't so good. Give thanks unto the Lord. Amen. Give praise. He's still your answer. Amen. Amen. No matter what you face, he's still the answer. Ephesians 5.20. So Ephesians 5.20 says, give thanks always for all things. So people say, well, now this looks contradictory. Because he says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they quote this verse. But the verse itself is taken out of context. Because the context of the verse goes with the verses prior to it. And the verses prior to it, verses 18 and 19 of Ephesians 5, says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit, speaking in, uh, to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart, comma. What are we giving thanks for? We're giving thanks for all these things. There's, I'm thanking God that I have the power, you have the power, you have the power to change circumstances, to change situations in your life. You have the power to change the atmosphere, your atmosphere. Right? This deals with your life I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a city or anything else or a country. I'm talking about your life. You have the power to change things in your life. So the context in Ephesians 5.20 goes with Ephesians 5.18 and 19, talking about being filled with the Spirit. Remember we talked about that before, you know, thanking God. All things work together for good. What are those all things? Those all things are the things of the Holy Spirit. It's the same in this thing in the context of the Scripture. Again, Christians, Christians quote things, but many times then we'll take it out of context. Well, you thank God for all things. Well, he gave you cancer today. Thank God for that. I always say this, and I have said this to people who've gotten 
bad doctor's reports and they want to believe this way that God gave them something. And I look at them and I say, now listen to me. Listen real careful. Do not go to a doctor. Look them right in the face. Do not go to a doctor. Like, what do you mean? I said, if God gave it to you, why would you try to get rid of it? Why would you try to get rid of it? If God's giving you this, then why would you try to get rid of it? Why would you try to take a pill? Why would you try to take medicine? Oh, no, no, don't do any of that. Then just, just die with it. Because he gave it to you. Because if you're, if you're going to a doctor, you're fighting against God. People are like, well, see, I don't know. See, I want them to think. I want people to think about what they're saying, what they're doing. Because they say things that offends God. They say things that offends the Holy Spirit. Because God didn't do that. We're thanking Him for what He does do. The Holy Ghost. Songs and spiritual songs. Giving thanks unto the Lord. Right? Making melody in your heart unto the Lord. That's what we're thanking God for. That's the context of it. So let's close with this. Ephesians, or Psalm 100. Let's close with that. Psalm 100. We, we make shout for joy. And shouting is good. You don't hear a lot in churches, but I tell you what, shouting is good. Hallelujah. Shouting is good in your home for the Lord. Shout for God. Shout with a voice of triumph. It's so acceptable in the world to shout for things that are ungodly or that amount to nothing, say. Shout for your team. Okay, fine. Well, let's shout for the Lord. Who are we shouting for? The one who redeemed me. The one who saved me. All right? I want to shout for Jesus. Serve the Lord with gladness. So it shouldn't, it's not a burden to serve the Lord. Come before his presence with singing. That's really good. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not how well you sing. <laughs> You're making melody in your heart to the Lord, right? You're not auditioning for heavenly choir. You're singing to the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? So you're singing. You're exalting the Lord, right? Know that the Lord, he is God. It's he that made us. We are not, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So then it comes to verse 4. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his holy name. So we've talked this many, many times. But, but as we enter his gates, in his presence is fullness of joy, right? In his presence is peace. In his presence with power. But you enter his presence with thanksgiving. Amen. I, I want to point out something. There are gates. There are gates. What do the gates do? The gates keep out the complainers. And I'm totally serious. Because you're not going to come in, in a natural king, you don't come in the presence of a natural king, complaining, complaining, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and this, and this. you didn't do this, you didn't do that, like, you don't complain. That's why in the Old Testament, when they serve in the Lord, uh, uh, so forth, and he was, he was uh, sober, and the king says, what's wrong with you, you're not happy. <sighs> well, it's because the walls of Jerusalem are broken down, my country, and those You always serve the king with joyfulness. Gates are there. People that complain. Christians, I know Christians all that complain, complain about prayers. Nothing. Nothing. You can pray for 24 hours straight. Nothing. You will have nothing because you're a complainer. You enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's how you get into his presence. People think, oh, that's harsh. No, that's just biblical. See, people act like they can have it their way. I can do whatever I want, act all I want. No, you can't. He has rules. There's rules to get into his presence. Through Jesus, of course, but also with thanksgiving. Complaining Christians is like they're mocking God. And there are many complaining Christians. I don't have this, I don't have that, this and that. 
Remember years ago, my brothers were very successful. Very successful. Had money, all these things like that. And Jeannie and I basically had nothing. <laughs> Pioneering the church and so forth. We were the, the off scourge of the family, ridiculed, mocked. And I'd be tempted to complain. I thought, no, I'm not going to complain. I said, thank you, Jesus. We'd leave Iowa shaking the dust off of us, you know, and the smoke off of us. And drive back to South Dakota and in the car we say, thank you, Jesus. We have you. We have you. You're a savior. You're a king. Thank you, Jesus. Money? No, didn't have any money. Didn't have any money. Didn't have other things. But we had Jesus. And he honored that thanksgiving. Always to say, I'll take care of you, Dave. I'll take care of you. But I don't see it in the checkbook. I'll take care of you. It's not based on that. I'll take care of you. But I don't have what that. No, I'll take care of you. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. I'll take care of you. But we need this. I'll take care of you. I'll provide that. I'll do that. And again and again and again and again, he did exactly that. Through the years, unbelievably blessed. <laughs> unbelievably blessed. We go from the bottom of our family, from the gutter to the top, and leading our family, and me blessing my brothers. And leading my parents to the Lord. And all those things. Rich in faith. Rich in faith. Amazing. Rich in thanksgiving. For what we have. My brothers can look at me like, you don't have a thing. Like you're telling me something I don't know. (laughs) I know that. But I do have Jesus. I do have Jesus. There was a time my brother who was very, very wealthy. And he said he was facing a divorce. And we were talking about all the things he can lose. And he just looked at me and said, what is money? And I said, I know it's a poor God, isn't it? He was one of those guys, you can reach the top of the mountain. Wait, get there. Okay, now what? Now you're at the top of the mountain. Now what? Okay, big deal. The rat race, now you never won rat. What happens now? Nothing. Life is empty. And then he finds Jesus. Amen. And then your perspective changes. It's not about things, it's about him. It's about a relationship. So this thanksgiving, this, this entering his gates with thanksgiving... This is very key. It's his gates. There's gates. There are gates to his presence. And you enter through thanksgiving, the password to get in. That's key. This is key for young people. This is key for old people. It's key for everybody. You enter in through those gates. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So many times I've said, I, I do this every day, but I just hear the Lord just saying, I love you, Dave. To me, that's profound. Thank you for loving me. You know, we enter his courts with praise. We start at the gates, we enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Be thankful to Jesus. So, we want to practice Thanksgiving. Amen. You want to practice this on a daily basis. You want to work out. An athlete's workout, an athlete has a regimen. Put it on your mirror, put it, put it by your coffee pot, wherever you see things. Be thankful. Be thankful. Give praise to the Lord. Practice. Turn to your neighbor and say, practice. practice. You have to practice this. It's not normal. Okay, normal, the old nature, is other stuff. You have to practice thanksgiving. Practice doing it. Practice it in your home. Practice it with your spouse or other people in your home. Or practice it with people at the store, the cashier. Thank you so much. You know, people just tell me, you're welcome. Wow, you're welcome. Somebody thank me. It's, it's, like, it's like a tonic to the world to bless people. Amen? 
and you'll bless them and it'll help their hearts to open up for Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for all your blessings. We want to thank you in every situation. And we want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us and you're helping us and you're helping us all to grow, (laughs) to be your people, to be like Paul and Silas in very difficult situations, but to be praisers, to be like the boy who gave up his food and so forth to trust you that you're big enough to take care of us. Lord, we thank you today for all your goodness, all your grace. I thank you for the people here, the people listening and watching right now. I speak blessings over their lives. Blessings over their homes. Blessing over the work of their hands. Thank you for providing and taking care of every need that they have, Father. Every need. Thank you for doing it, Lord. You're so good to your people. And Father, we just, we just give you praise today. We love you, Jesus. We love you as the healer. We love you as the blesser. We love you, Jesus. We love kissing your feet, Lord. Mm, wow. Hallelujah. You are so wonderful, Lord God. So, Lord, I just thank you for even in this message, the lifting people higher, lifting people higher in their homes, lifting people higher in their jobs, lifting people higher in their relationships, Lord God. Thank you that we are your people, Lord. We are the city that's set on a hill, Lord. We are the light for this world. We thank you, Jesus, that others will see you in us to give praise to your name. Father, thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 If you need prayer for anything, just come on up. Otherwise, we bless you in Jesus' name tonight. Deb's sharing at 630. And it's going to be a great week of Thanksgiving. But hey, it's going to be every day is good for Thanksgiving. Amen. (laughs) Amen. We bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.